Good afternoon. It is Friday, April 16th, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and it is my pleasure to introduce our special guest today, backed by popular demand, Stacy Henke. And Stacy is the author of, of a book called, is it Yes, I Can or Yes, You Can? Yes, You Can. Yes, You Can. And Stacy is a communications expert, and in our introductions that we were just making before we started to record the call, uh, we each shared a little bit about uh, what our current life situations are and where communications might be a challenge. So, uh, Stacy, I would love for you just to give a little bit of your background, and then we'll just dig right into the topic. Mm-hmm. Over the past seven years, started the company First Impression Consulting, and it was started just off of working in various training and development roles within Fortune 500 companies, doing a lot of research at that time to find out what were the biggest gaps in management development. And it always came down to the ability to communicate. And the more that I traveled across the nation and then internationally, I realized that communicating a message to make sure that what we say matches how we say it is a big challenge for people. And even worse, people don't realize it's a challenge. And decided then seven years ago to start the company First Impression Consulting, and we focus on the spoken word, helping individuals become more aware of how they sound, how they look, no matter if they're communicating over the phone like we are today or whether they're in person or whether it's in front of a group, whatever the situation may be, but to give individuals these practical skill sets that will help them communicate so they've got more impact on others, whether it's their peers or their teams, as well as to also be able to communicate so you've got influence. You're able to influence others to act on what you have to say. And that's what we're going to, you know, communication being such a large topic, really try to be as specific as possible today so that everyone at least can have at least one takeaway that they'll be able to use not only in their professional life, but their personal life as well. That's terrific. So where would you like to start, Stacey? I mean, have have you got a a series of of, um, truths or, or, or perhaps even misconceptions about communication that we first need to get on the table and then talk through those? I think so. I think it goes back to my comment, making sure that what we say matches how we say it. We don't know what we don't know. And for our listeners, if it's been a long time, or even if you've never done this, if you've never seen yourself on a video camera, it's probably time to do that, especially when we're talking to executives. And I know a lot of your members are business owners. They really have an impact not only internally with their teams, but also they're the face of their company. It could be pretty shocking in both ways of what works for us when we communicate and what doesn't. And I say get yourself on video camera because a lot of times people will say to me, if I know what I'm talking about, I'm okay. If I know what I'm talking about, I'm comfortable. I don't get nervous. Well, that's really not the point behind communicating with impact and influence. Just because you feel comfortable or you think you're good at it doesn't mean you are. And and I don't want to say that out of a, a cruel way, but reality is what your listeners really see and hear. And that's why I think there's this big misconception of, I feel like I know what I'm talking about. You might feel that way, but does it sound that way? And where it doesn't sound that way is what we're very familiar with. People stumble over their words, and especially women, 
women will either use what's called uptalk, where when I make a statement, I end it like a question, like I just did there. That questions your credibility as a female. I think the other thing that women tend to do a lot of is over-qualify their statements. And what I mean by that is statements that say, I may be way off base here. (laughs) Or it's a statement that says, to be honest with you. What I meant to say, and these are all over-qualifiers. Women will say to me, well, I don't want to come across aggressive. It's not about coming across aggressive. It's coming across assertive. And it's making these sentences very clear, concise, articulate. And one big piece to make that happen is we really got to get rid of these non-words that fall into our lap. And it's these ahs and ums and you know and like. And when I bring them up at first with individuals, the first thing they'll say is, well, I don't say that. And then I record them, and it's like every other word, and they realize, oh, maybe I do. And that's like an example, Chicky, of what I mean by we don't know what we don't know. And that's why it's so important. Audio tape yourself. Get yourself in front of a video camera, maybe when you're in a meeting or maybe when you are giving some type of presentation, so that you can see what's working. I think as leaders and as executive women, we've got to work on our own development first before we can work on our team's communication. I'll go into companies and we'll train their teams, we'll train their executive teams, but the leaders of these teams won't go through the training sometimes. And then they can't understand why they're suddenly not treated with respect. Or even worse, their employees working with me are saying, oh, wait a second, my CEO doesn't do that. Or my VP doesn't do that. And can you imagine if that VP or CEO only knew what their team really thought of their communication? And that's why I think before you can work on your team's communication, your client's communication, your children's communication, you've got to work on your own first. I, I was reading an article just the other day. It was in the Chief Learning Officer magazine. I don't know if any of our listeners are familiar with that. And there's an editor that writes for them. Her name is Lindsay Edmund, Edmonds, excuse me, Wickman. And she wrote this article titled, Are Your Leaders Communicators? And one quote that she states is, leaders are very good at analyzing business situations and making decisions. But what they aren't as good at is communicating with others. They just haven't had that type of training, and a lot of organizations don't know how to create that kind of training in their organizations. And when I was doing research, I worked for Target a number of years ago, and one of the researches I did with them was trying to identify within like a store, a store what was the store manager's biggest gap in making sales or building morale, preventing turnover. And the biggest gap was their ability to communicate. And what was interesting is they just they didn't realize that that was the problem. Instead, they thought, well, our employees, they're not making sales. Well, they might not be making sales because they're getting the wrong message from you because they don't quite understand you. I think we need to remember that just because we communicate a message does not mean that it was understood the way we meant it to be understood. I think once we learn how to work on our own development, I know there's an individual on the phone, several individuals on the phone with us today that lead teams. That's when you can start looking at your team's communication. Why isn't Joe getting along with Mary on the team? Well, it's probably because Joe doesn't understand Mary's communication and vice versa. Simply put, 
if Joe is a driver, very to the point, maybe more in a conservative communication style, and Mary is analytic. She likes to communicate with numbers, data, research. And if the two of them don't realize that that's their communication style, their personality style, they will continue to clash heads. They will not get along. And, and I think it's important to help them identify what is it about their communication that's not working. Because if I'm Mary and I've got to work with Joe, when I work with Joe, I should be communicating him very to the point. He doesn't need all the research and data. Those are some of the gaps that I really see within an executive's communication that makes it so difficult because it is a behavior. It's like going to go and play tennis, and you've been playing tennis for 10-plus years, and suddenly you have a coach, and that tennis coach starts adjusting your swing with the racket or how you're hanging on to the racket. And because that coach starts changing this behavior of how you've been playing tennis for 10-plus years, it throws you off. And some individuals will say, you know what, it doesn't feel right, it's uncomfortable, I'm going to do it my way. Others will say, all right, I'm rolling up my sleeves, and as much as this hurts and it doesn't feel right, I'm right. going to do it. Because I know once I get this new behavior down on how to communicate, in this case it might be once I learn how to pause and not use non-words, I'm going to get greater response from others. People are actually going to want to listen to what I have to say because they're going to be attentive. I'm going to be able to see the whites of their eyes from the time I start talking till the time I'm done. I'm going to be able to use that pause to do some two-way conversation and really help read my listener because now I give them an opportunity to talk with me. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, when you talk about uh relearning something and and one of the topics that that I want to get around to today and and uh, hopefully it's on your agenda is uh when we have been communicating so much online and then all of a sudden you know are back in a position where we have to do one-on-one -on -one communication you know that can be a really really rough transition and for those of us who work at home uh we don't pick up the phone enough and on Wednesday uh or it must have been Tuesday, we were celebrating uh, the day that our children met each other because we adopted our son when he was uh, three. And we took the day off and we went bowling. Well, I realized that I had <laughs> done wee bowling for the last two years, not on a consistent basis, but enough that my style had adjusted to the electronic style. And so sure. I got back out and, you know, 30-plus years ago, I was on a bowling league and, you know, was a 200 uh, bowler and was amazing. And I got out there, and I couldn't break 50. And, I mean, I got out, and I was, like, <laughs> dropping the ball, and I, I couldn't get that fluid motion. So what you said really resonates with me, and I, I would like to swing back around because, you know, I've heard stories about um, young people who are coming out of college and graduating with, you know, with degrees and having to go out into the marketplace to actually conduct an interview. I heard one brought his mom along because no. you know, all of his conversation had been, you know, texting and, and, uh, and email and all electronic. And so I think we are at a really, really interesting cro crossroads. And for those people who are managing teams that are young, uh, this particular issue is huge. Great. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. It's been a big topic of mine. I've been speaking at a lot of conferences this spring, 
and incorporating social media. First and foremost, I want to make it very loud and clear that I think social media is an amazing, amazing tool. And I'm all for technology. I think it's a great resource to be able to communicate. I think the challenge, and this is what you were talking about with the interviewing, is we are hiding behind it. And the more that we use that type of communication, whether it's texting, emailing, Twittering, Facebook, whatever it may be, we start to lose the art of face-to-face communication. <laughs> or communicating in longer than 240 character sound bites. That is, that is so <laughs> true, and it's scary. I'm going to give you several examples of this to make this point. A couple of weeks ago, I got a call from a CEO. He is a owner of a recruiting company, and he wanted tips on how, what should he watch for around behaviors when he's interviewing young individuals right out of college. And we were talking about some of these components, and then he said to me, it's been interesting of what type of communication he's been able to use with them or must use for them if he wants a response, if he wants to influence these individuals to take action. When he communicates to someone who's fresh out of college that there is a job interview opportunity, and you know, it's not just a job posting, but it's an actual interview opportunity, mm-hmm. he said to me if he will send them a voicemail or an email, they will not respond. If he sends them a text message, they respond. And his whole training with them now is, not that they can't bring their mothers to the interview, but his whole training is you cannot text through an interview. You, at some point in that interview, you must have a face-to-face conversation. Right. Another example for you, I was at a conference. It was very young. They were fresh out of college. And I could tell that they were with their Blackberries and their iPods. They were texting and possibly Twittering. So at the beginning of my session, I asked everyone, raise your hand if you're texting. Well, everyone raised their hand. Raise your hand if you're Twittering. Everyone raised their hand. And I said to them, here's the deal. You can do that as much as you want with the next hour that we are together if you promise that anything that you text or you tweet is about my session. And they thought that was the coolest thing because I had given them this invitation to do that. But I used it as my advantage. Now, I use that because Twittering, texting, that is not going to go away. I think there's just going to be more and more ways to communicate through this idea of social media. Therefore, as leaders, we need to understand how to communicate with them. And it's asking, I'll ask my clients, what is the best way to communicate with you? Do you prefer me to reconnect with you via email? Do you like texting? Do you want me to connect with you via LinkedIn? And believe it or not, I've got clients that are across the board. And because I have that conversation with them up front and I respect their request, what communication works best for them, it works. It works for our relationship to keep us connected. Now, this doesn't mean that if you've got an employee that says, I only want to be texted to. Well, then I think we need to also talk about when is it appropriate? And having conversations with this generation, younger generation, to say, here's when you send an email. Here's when you use a face-to-face. And understand, first, before you shoot off that text, before you shoot off that email, what is your purpose of your message? What, what objective? What, do you, what expectation do you have of your message? And then what is the best medium? Because the thing with email and texting, we go back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> and there's a lot of times, I did this today with my assistant. She, I was in the middle of sending an email, giving her instructions for some things I wanted her to do today. And halfway through, I thought, what am I doing? If I could just pick up the phone, it's going to take me two minutes to do this with her. And 
and I did, and we, we had a conversation over the phone. It was only maybe five minutes of my day, but when I hung up the phone, I also realized, man, now I got to connect with her just on a personal level, even if it was just for five minutes. The other thing about identifying what is the appropriate medium for our employees is to remind them that once it's in writing, it is always, always there. And when in doubt, if you've ever got this gut feeling, this instinct of, I'm not sure how they're going to respond to this, because when we type in that email, it always sounds good in our head. If you've got that instinct, don't send it. We were doing a session just a couple of weeks ago. You know, again, it was a younger group, and we were asked by the client to specifically talk about emailing, social media, when are these mediums most effective to get what you want? And I asked the group, when would you send an email or a text message? And a woman way in the back, she raised her hand and she said, I would send an email if I'm already in conflict with someone. And probably all of us on the phone today are thinking, no way, you got to be kidding. But keep in mind, this is, this is their mindset. Yeah, the lack of, be- of willingness to confront. Sure, it's that. And another individual in the front row said, yeah, I agree. How can you expect us to learn immediately how to communicate face-to-face when we've, been grown, we've grown up with emailing and all this electronical capability to communicate? So it's adapting that style, too. Find out what works best for them. And then it's a little bit of a training. Maybe it's the expectation of creating a list of when they have to actually, reasons why, or situations, communication situations, when they have to get out of their chair and actually walk and have a conversation. I think it's retraining it, kind of like your bowling experience. It's retraining the way they've learned to communicate for many years. Well, and and to Cecilia's point earlier when she was talking about managing people remotely, you know, that's the challenge. For those of us who who work remotely with people or work from home Mm -hmm. and aren't in an office where you can, you know, walk around to someone else's cubicle or to their office, um, you have to find other ways uh, to resolve things. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of situations over the course of the last year where I really wish that I was in an office with people so that you could see yes. the whites of their eyes and, and that you couldn't dance around or didn't have to dance around even sometimes the communication that happens uh, on the phone. But I, I want to make one point about what you said about email and, and conflict and, and when you write an email of really, really thinking, uh, you know, before you press send. And, and I highly recommend to people that they have uh, a sounding board buddy who is, you know, if you've got a, a tense situation where email is really your only way, uh, you know, to, to at least lay down the, the record of what has happened, because sometimes you actually do want something in writing, you know, to indicate that sure. a conflict has happened. But that I always, I've got uh, two different people that generally one of them is available, one, one's in the Central Time Zone and one's on the West Coast. And I can generally just shoot the email off, and, and they don't even have to know the situation. But it's, you know, if you were receiving this, can you tell me, you know, what is it about this email that, that you know, might make you uncomfortable or how, how can I... Uh, you know, take some of the emotion out of it, uh, you know, which uh, tends to be problematic. But the other thing, uh, you know, that I recommend doing is, is uh, you know, actually writing it but but mailing it back to yourself and then have it sit there and, and you know, come back to it, yeah. you know, 10 or 15 minutes later yeah. and, and just let it cook. Um, you know, because if you address it to yourself instead of to the other person, you're not going to prematurely hit send or accidentally right. hit send if you really do intend to delete it. 
I think the the other quick tip, and this may be something that some of our listeners can share with their teams, is the very last thing you should be doing with that email before you send it is inserting the to line. I'll never put in the address. I'll never complete the address line until I'm ready to send it, because that way I won't slip and yeah. actually actually hit send. I think when in doubt, even if it's just pick up the voicemail message or pick up the phone, leave a voicemail message, and say in the voicemail message the very bullet point pieces that your purpose for this call, and then stating to make sure that you've got this in writing. I will be sending you an email with the details today. Because your tone of voice can really then set the tone for that email to avoid any of that miscommunication that happens just with our words. Yeah, and I would totally agree with that, Stacey. And the other thing, you know, again, back to your point of getting comfortable with being being seen on a camera, there are some really great tools that have emerged that allow you to embed uh, video in an email and you know I give a lot of tips to people just because I, I, I do a lot of radio and I do uh, these kinds of calls and use uh, the product that we're using today for the call uh, for some of the people who are are on called iLink and I learned very very early on that um, if I just let my laptop sit on the desk and had the camera looking up at me it was a horrible angle and I always hated how I looked no matter you know whether I was having a good day or a bad uh, you know, good hair day, bad hair day. Um, but that also, uh, if if I would elevate it up, because my, my computer is now elevated up like a foot and a half, um, you know, it's actually sitting on my wedding album and something else. Uh, but that this particular angle is much more flattering. It makes me feel more comfortable seeing myself talking into the camera. And then also I can sit back and relax and actually be a fair distance away so that you're not seeing the, you know, deep pores and certain bags under the eyes and that type of thing. Um, but I really believe that we're very, very close to it being ubiquitous to actually in- embedding uh, a video message in an email. So, because I, I think that's the only way we're going to get people to start opening emails again. I think that there has to yes. be some other way to communicate because, uh, you know, even just with the Executive Girlfriends group uh, I was sharing with you earlier, we've had a, a huge drop-off in the number of people on the calls of late. And, you know, I think it's largely because email has just become so inundated, you know, two, three hundred emails a day. And, and um you know, it's just so impossible to to filter out what's really going to be meaningful, and and so it I think is. we're right on the cusp of of communications changing, and you know I've said uh, to my team, you know, this is the year of the relationship. Pick up the phone, and and you know if you can get used to seeing yourself on the camera, do video conferencing, and and we picked this platform iLink because if you know everyone on the call, if they had a camera, they could all be. Uh, on camera all at the same time and we can look at each other and there's no limit and and I think that tools like that are going to help us get beyond some of these things that we've done to ourselves with technology Mm -hmm. yeah I I would agree because when I don't use it now you know and I I do a lot of demos and and you know different calls with folks showing them you know presentations and things and when I don't have my camera on when I change it to my still image you know like on a day when I'm still sitting in my jammies or something and um you know I I feel disconnected even when I'm on the phone now Mhm isn't that interesting and it's just the behavior it doesn't take long to get comfortable with one side or the other meaning just comfortable with email or just comfortable with face to face yeah, yeah. But we do. We we just we hide behind technology, and 
I think it's time to come out. <laughs> it's time to make face-to-face communication a new art. And Stacy, you talked just briefly about some of the nuances of male versus female communication, and I know uh, you know, one of our participants today uh, has that as a particular challenge right now uh, facing her and her business. So maybe you can help us understand a little bit of the, the style differences that are, are fairly universal, you know, between men and women and the things that we do to undermine ourselves. You mentioned a few at the beginning of the call, the use of, of certain terms that undermine what we've just said. Or, or that qualify it, and uh, my mother-in-law does that, and I mm-hmm. keep trying to tell her that she doesn't need to say those words. Like, you know, I don't know if you care, but I'm going to tell you. And anytime <laughs> you have to do that whole thing, it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, now I'm not sure I do care <laughs> because you've set me up. Tell me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, let's start with women, since we're all women on the phone, right? I'm going to tell you things that I see that undermine a female's credibility. It's a couple of things. First, it's posture. I was at a conference just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sitting in the audience. It was a big conference. They were doing awards. They were that part of the conference where they were going to give out these awards, and there's a woman standing off to the side of the stage. I'm kind of watching her. And as I'm watching her stand there, I'm thinking, ah, oh, she is so poised and just looks very confident in herself until she walked on the stage. She's got her hands clasped in front of her body. Her shoulders are kind of slouched over, she's kind of looking down, and I thought, she just ruined all perceptions of her, that she's going to have to work that much harder to get rid of that first impression of, huh, she looks like she'd rather be having a root canal right now than walking on that stage. (laughs) It's our posture. Women tend to be natural groomers. We are constantly fidgeting. We'll be fidgeting with our suit jacket, playing with our hair, fidgeting with our fingers or our rings. Or we stand and we like, especially taller women, and they'll say to me, I feel like I'm intimidating because I'm so tall as a female, we'll lean off to one side. We'll pop one hip and lean off to the side, and sometimes we will stand on one heel and kind of rotate our foot back and forth. And then we just fidget. We hold our hands either in front of our body, and I get feedback from women saying, well, I was told I gesture too much. So then we go to the extreme and we do nothing at all and we hold our hands still. That would be the big piece. It's the posture. Do you walk into that room like you belong there? And it's get your arms at your sides. Look directly at who you want to make connection with, who you want to greet. Posture is a confident skill. And the other piece that I see women struggle with is their volume. A lot of times executive women will contact me to help them on their communication skills. And their first comment is, I'll be at a meeting. I have a great idea, and then Bob, sitting a couple of chairs down for me two minutes later, has the same idea, and he gets all the credit for it. We've been hearing that often. Now, here's what's happening. It goes back to what I stated earlier on this call, no pauses. One of the biggest mistakes we can do is frustrate our listeners, and we say too much. And if we say too much, that's why people start interrupting you, or they don't hear us. We all have the right to be speaking. We all have the right to speak, but we have to earn the right to be heard. And how you do that is short sentences, get to the point, add those pauses, and speak up. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a scale here to visualize. Think of a scale 1 to 10, where 1 would be an audible, 10 you're blaring the folks out of the back of the room. When you're in a group, 
size of 15 or more, you want to be at a level 7. As I'm over the phone with everyone today, I'm about a 5, just to kind of give you perspective of where those levels may be. And I have not yet, have not yet met a woman that I've worked with that has been at a level 7. I'm constantly telling women, you've got to speak up. Or... They, they, it's almost like they don't open their mouth wide enough, and because of that, their volume trails off at their end of their sentences, or they come across a little monotone, a little flat. Here's what I want all of you to do today. You're going to yawn at some point. <laughs> if you haven't already, you'll be yawning later on today. And when you yawn, immediately talk after you yawn. Because when you yawn, the back of your throat opens up. When I speak, as I'm adding pauses in between my sentences, every time I pause, I take in a breath from my diaphragm, and I open up the back of my throat. It's the same feeling as when you yawn. And as a result, that allows me to project. It also allows my tone to come across strong. Now, I'm going to change that for a moment. I'm going to speak to all of you, and I'm going to shut the back of my throat so you can hear the difference in my voice, what, what happens. So what happens when I shut the back of my throat, I start to really crack. There's a big difference between how you've heard me speak now versus prior to what I'm doing. And you probably hear the difference there. The other thing that I'll hear when women speak with the back of their throat kind of shut, we sound real breathy or we have high pitch. Those tones do not sound confident. And I, I think they really cause us a great risk when we're trying to speak to be heard. Men, I think men are given a little bit more of a free card than women are. And unfortunately, it's, it's what society still is. As I go into corporations and work with very senior level executives, a lot of them are still positions held by men. And therefore, I think they get a little bit more of a free card. They are doing a lot of the same behaviors that we are, but it almost seems like it's more forgiving. And I'll see it in my classes when I have men and females mixed together, male and female mixed together, that instantly the females are given instant feedback, where the men, not so much. I think with men, men tend to be more assertive in their communication. Now, again, this does not mean every female and of every man that I work with it's a generalization that men are more assertive. They tend to get to the point more quickly than women do. And I think it's because we're so concerned about we don't want to come across as aggressive and we're using these overqualifiers, chicky, like you said, that your mother-in-law uses. Mm-hmm. Or we tend to be a little more soft-spoken than men are. Keeping in mind, again, men use just the, they have the same problems that we have. They have the same issues with not feeling comfortable sometimes looking directly at people when we speak. Or they also use non-words and aren't using pauses. It just is, it seems to be more forgiving in men than in women. Very interesting. You know, I sometimes wonder um, if, if men do more thinking about what they're going to say um, mm-hmm. than we do, because I'll be sitting in a meeting, and I mean, this week was a great example. I was uh, brought in uh, by one of the major uh, travel technology companies uh, in our industry, and we had a number of consultants who were there. Probably half of the room was consultants, and the other half was corporate travel managers. And I found that the men 
didn't speak up as much as the women did, and this was a very balanced group of men and women. Um, but they did seem more thoughtful in what they were saying, and I and I, I wondered whether that is something that you have observed that there there's more that goes into the phrasing, uh, you know, that works its way between the ears before they actually let it out of their mouths. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you, Chicky. They. And, and I guess I look at it as they tend to get to the point more, and it's probably because they're giving more thought to it than we are. I don't know as females if we feel like we need to jump in in the conversation when we have the opportunity. I think sometimes we feel like we, we really have to prove our point and work that much harder to be seen. But on the flip side, most of my work is with men, so I am usually in a room full of men. And as long as I walk in that room with that confidence and I speak to them with assertiveness by looking them directly in the eye and giving them the chance to be heard or I I come across as very curious about who they are and and what they do, I gain the respect pretty quickly. But I'm also very direct in my communication. Mm -hmm. I don't use a lot of the extra words that I think when a female uses them, because we're feminine, it's, it can come across as fluff. Right. Well, I found when I was in corporate life, I was very, very guilty of jumping in and cutting people off and wanting to make my point. And it's only been really over the last couple of years that I've, I've always had a notebook with me and that when I want to say something, I'll write it down, not word for word, but just enough that I don't forget my train of thought and that I actually do go back to listening what they're saying rather than waiting for that pause so that I can jump in. And Mm -hmm. that was just a a discipline I had to put on myself because I realized that I was maybe perceived as as not thinking things through before I talked and, Mm -hmm. and... so, you know, that was problematic for me, and, and it really is just a matter of my personality as well, and my mind is moving so fast, and I'm, I'm you know, like five five chess moves ahead in in thinking things through because I'm strategic rather than tactical, and, and so I don't always listen, you know, to, to the level of detail that people are sometimes wanting to share. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just practice. That's why we circle right back around to the beginning of our talk today. Get yourself videotaped. Find mm-hmm. someone that can give you very constructive feedback. And it's usually a family member. For years, when I first got in the industry, I would always take my sister to my conferences because she is so upfront, and she will tell me how it is. And I had her sit in the back of the room, and I I would always tell her exactly what I wanted her to listen for, what I wanted her to look for. And she was probably the best person to give me feedback at that point in my career. Now I take my boyfriend, and he also is super upfront, so now I'm getting a male perspective. But we have to be really open to the type of feedback that we're given and the type of feedback that we ask for. And it's more than just asking someone, how did I do? How do you think I'm doing? Because... If they don't have direction, your friend, your coworker, they'll say to you, well, it, was, it was good, good job. No, it sounds good. <laughs> you know, rather than, well, what, what do you want them to work on? Do you want to work on your posture? Have the, tell them what you want to look like, and that's what they watch for. Do you want to say to them, I am trying not to say you know, 
or I'm trying not to start my sentences with the word so, every time I do that, would you just tell me? You start asking for that type of feedback and get the, the feedback off of a video playback, you will start to see the whites of people's eyes when, you, when you've got the opportunity. And if you don't and you're, you're on the phone, you're in a conference call, whatever it may be, it's, it's like hitting the sweet spot on a tennis racket. <laughs> and, or it's like hitting a sweet spot when you when you did the bowling. If there was ever a point where you thought, ah, oh, that was it, that was my form, that's what I need. This is really <laughs> I never the same got concept. there on Tuesday. Didn't get there <laughs> never, quite yet. Never got there. And I'll tell you, some of us are going to take longer to get to that sweet spot in our communication right. skills than others. But what you're going to notice is people respond to you differently. Not that they're not responding to our callers today in a positive way. It's just. Maybe they sit at the edge of their chair more. Maybe they actually interact with you over the phone. Because you can tell when someone's with you over the phone or when they're on their email or they're daydreaming. Right. Absolutely. You know, I'd like to open it up because I know uh, Cecilia probably has a couple of questions that I haven't uh, pointed out. And um, is it Carolyn who joined? I I heard another person come in. Yes, I did join. Oh, great, great. Well, welcome. Um, we've got Stacy on the phone, and, and uh, so I am going to uh, – I'm going to go ahead and leave the recording going, but as I had mentioned, Carolyn, earlier, uh, if there's anything that is disclosed or, or questions that are asked that are of a sensitive nature, uh, we will be editing those out of the call because what is said of a personal nature on the call stays on the call. Um, but, uh, Celia, was there anything specific that you wanted to ask Stacy? Uh, well, thanks, Chicky. I'm gonna. I I could spend a week talking about this topic, um, and I have do have some very specific challenges. So, but I'll, I'll go a little generic and and uh, maybe uh, go back to one of the things that you mentioned, Chicky, about the the listening side of communication rather than the speaking side of communication. And uh, one of the things that I find myself combating a lot, and I I do feel that I tend to be very concise. But I find when I'm in a meeting, particularly with my business partner and others who I work with, that they may not be listening to me so much as they're preparing their rebuttal before I finished what I'm saying. And I've noticed that being a trend with in general for people and myself included sometimes. And I wonder, um, as part of the, the things that you've worked on with other people, how much have you worked on the listening side of things and how much does that play a part? I think it plays 100%. Because as the speaker, something hasn't happened if people are not listening to you. It's, you just haven't made that connection. You haven't engaged them enough for them to want to listen to you 100%. And, and, and that's tough to take because as much as we think, God, but I'm doing everything I need to do, that's where you've got to get yourself back to the basics. Re- audio tape yourself. In one of those meetings, in your next meeting, audio tape yourself. No one needs to even know you're doing it. Put it underneath your, your jacket, whatever you need to do. Just audio tape it and then replay that tape. And what the things you want to listen to is your tone of voice, your sentence structure. Is it concise or are you saying way too much? That's usually when people start tuning out or thinking about what they need to do. Now, if you still take that audio tape and you think, perfect, I love it, it's good, then my next step would be interact. I would be throwing out questions to this team left and right. So it forces them to be committed, to hold themselves accountable for their role in this meeting, in this discussion. 
great. Thank you. you know, the interaction piece is the biggest piece, and, and not just asking, are there any questions, but asking open-ended questions that force them to respond. If this is also, Cecilia, if this is a regular meeting that you do, another thing that you could do instead of you always leading it, take turns leading it. And that's what I do with my team. Every month, someone else on the team has to lead the meeting. And everyone has to come to the meeting with a new agenda item, an update, that they need to discuss at the meeting. And it cannot be a repeat from the week prior. But this way, it's not just your voice. And your team quickly realizes that it's not your meeting. It's actually their meeting now. So I give, not I want to say assignments, I give specific roles to each individual that will hold them accountable to being present and to be very actively involved during these discussions. That might be another step to take a look at. I like that a lot, and and especially for uh, conference calls where, where you are leading remotely. I... You know, I I have a weekly call with my team, and and I find myself talking for a half an hour or 45 minutes, and and no one has anything to say. And, I mean, we're we're kind of at a a waiting place in our business anyway because we don't have have current clients, and so we're waiting for new business to come in. But I I think that that is an excellent uh, uh, suggestion, and and I'm going to do it myself. So So watch out, Rebecca. It's powerful over a conference call, too. Or sometimes I'll set up my conference calls, and I'll say to everyone, I realize we're on a conference call, and you're probably already diving into your email. I mean, I make some humor over it. And I'll say to them, to benefit your time and make sure we are done in 15 minutes, I'm going to ask you to interact. I'll be asking you many questions throughout. We'll interact. And I'll maybe be only five minutes into it, and I'll throw out a question. But you've got to also be comfortable that when you throw out the question, to wait for a response. Very true. I was mentioning, um, we were talking about video conferencing tools uh, yesterday in this meeting in Atlanta, and the tool that we use, iLink, can actually detect when, when there are keystrokes on the other end. It's not disclosing what those keystrokes are, but if somebody ah. is off checking their email or if, it's, if they're doing something, uh, the color of, of the icon next to their name changes. So um, you know, technology can actually help in that, and I'm not sure if, if other tools have it. iLink is the one that we use, uh, but whether WebEx or GoToMeeting have it. But, but it's very useful because you can actually see your whole team. You can see who's green and who's, who's uh, orange and then who's red, which are people who've you know, really just checked out, <laughs> and, and they've been busy off doing so much that you know, they, they're not considered to be engaged. And, and you can say, you know, Sarah, uh, and then you get their attention, you can see them kind of coming back to the stage and and then getting them engaged in a question. So I, I think that, that that can also be very useful if you uh, have the benefit of uh, being able to afford technology to do conference calling. Mm-hmm. Oh, the joys of technology. Who knows what we'll be talking about a year from now and the type of technology that we're able to use for communication. Exactly. Does anybody else have a question uh, before we turn to the regular part of our call? Um, This is Rebecca. You might have already answered it. Um, I was wondering if you had a way other than the typical eyes glazing over to um, figure out that you 
said what you thought was very clear, but that they didn't get it at all. And and maybe your answer is to ask the question uh, to, to get feedback. Um, but maybe you have another trick. You've, you've so identified the trick. <laughs> you have identified the trick. Ask them. When in doubt, ask. I am I'm very interactive in everything that I do. I just believe in two-way conversation. The other reason I do it is I want to make sure that if what I'm sharing, if it's not clicking and I need to take a different direction in my content, now I can do it. But instead, if I just go according to my A to Z plan, most likely I won't meet anyone's expectations. So when in doubt, if they, it's almost like that stare look and you're wondering, are you getting it? What is going on in that head of yours? Just ask. Ask the question. Because I'm finding more and more that reading nonverbals like rolling of the eyes, crossing of the arms, giving no facial expression back to you as the speaker, those really aren't cues anymore. I've experienced numerous occasions where I've had someone in my audience with their arms crossed, they're rolling their eyes, and I'm thinking, oh, I have done something that has prevented us from connecting. Lo and behold, I get done with my presentation, they come up to me, and they will give me rave reviews and tell me how powerful it was or how impactful it was in, in their profession. They walk away, and I'm thinking, uh-huh, <laughs> that's not, that is not what I saw in you. People learn differently, huh. and we don't get caught up. Here's where I would get caught up, when the energy completely shifts in the room or over the phone. For example, if you've got someone who's really interactive with you and suddenly they just shut down, or you get a lot of the side conversations, that's telling you something, or people are suddenly going on their Blackberries and hanging out there too long, or maybe you have someone who they've been talking, they haven't said anything, and all of a sudden they start talking more. It's when there's big shifts in the way people have been responding to you, that's when I would put up my radar screen rather than the simple things like the crossing of the arms, the heavy size. Does that help? Yes, definitely. Good. Okay, great. Carolyn, I didn't mute you this uh, this week. Do you have anything? No, no. I, I, I'm just soaking it in. I think it's uh, really, really interesting. Okay, great. Well, if we don't have any other questions, I am going to turn the recording off, and uh, we will move on to the uh, regular part of our call then.